Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Sonia, Penelope, Victoria and Catherine to discuss women in cyber. Uh, before we delve into the topic in a bit more detail, uh, let's make our way around the room with some introductions. Sonia, do you want to kick us off with a brief introduction? Yes. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having invited me, inviting me for this podcast. So I'm Sonia Varag, the Head of Security Engineering at TUI. I'm working for TUI for more than four years now. My position consists in making the shift left is happening in all the development teams within TUI in IT. Knowing that in IT we are about 3,000 people, so it makes a good challenge, but this is an interesting challenge. Thank you, Sonia. And Penelope, back to you. Yeah, so I'm Penelope Bison. Thank you for having me today. Um, I hope everyone is doing great today. Um, I am French and based in Germany. I am a senior uh, cybersecurity professional. I've been wearing different hats during my career. I started in supply chain and quality in aerospace. And I went back to study in, uh, engineering, physics, and uh, finally I went to cybersecurity, which was a, a passion since childhood. And uh, but I really thought that I could do it in a professional um, as a professional as a professional profession. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Penelope, Victoria. Hey, my name is Victoria Dalach, and thank you for having me uh, here today. Um, it's funny to hear your amazing stories and introductions because I have probably the least experience in uh, security from all of you. Uh, I've been uh, working in tech for a decade, but um, most of the time as a software engineer. And two years ago, I decided to uh, switch uh, my career path a bit and join a security team. Uh, so I've been working as a uh, application security engineer, and I'm so honored to be uh, surrounded by such professionals as you are and I hope to learn a lot and maybe um, show you a little bit of a perspective uh, of a software engineer. So thank you for having me. Finally, Catherine. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Pleased to be here. So I'm Catherine Fox. I'm the head of security awareness and training at TUI. Uh, been with TUI many years uh, and the last 10 years in security. Part of that focusing on business continuity and disaster recovery and more recently say for the past five years on the human risk side of things so that's where we bring in the awareness and training yeah that's great okay so let's move on to the topic so you've all prepared a question or subtopic in uh, women in cyber so I'll, I'll work away around the room asking you each of you to pose your question the reasons behind it um and each of you will have an opportunity to give your take on that uh, particular topic so um let's start with sonia sonia like to pose your question please Yes, as we know, security is composed of organizational and technical measures. I'm more focused, uh, on the contrary of my colleague, Catherine, I'm more focused on the technical sides and the technical measures. But what does it mean? Really, how to put that in place and how do we do that with the security program? So I was speaking about the shift left. It's a change of culture, but how can the tooling and how can the technology help us in that area? In fact, yes, cybersecurity and making sure that security is everyone's job is something um, that needs a culture change, of course. Uh, in addition to what Catherine will mention, and I won't uh, spoil her part, uh, the challenges over there is to make sure we have the right tools to help to accelerate the security 
and to make it understandable and uh, accessible. So to make ac uh, security accessible for every developer or every DevOps team member or every infrastructure guy. So either you are deploying in the cloud or on premises, either you are working agile or in waterfall, the challenges are there. We are in IT, we are geek, we don't like the change. We don't like to have uh, tools imposed to us. Uh, we would like to have the freedom of choice. So how can we develop? How can we continue to do that um, when we are prone to, to go for open source, when we are there with thinking, taking as an example, what Netflix is doing or other big companies or what AWS or Google Cloud Platform is doing and great development over there um, or Microsoft just I just mentioned them because they are known and reputable, or if you see what um, SpaceX is doing, all the innovation technologies, but still we have to do it securely. So these are the challenges because we don't like it. Plus, in addition, majoritively, we have to say it's more a men's world. So how to deal it? And you come as a woman and you ask, Okay, guys, we will make it the security easy to use, easy consumable, easy accessible, and we will make it easy understandable by everyone, every geek. Then the reflection starts. Yeah, but you're a woman. Yeah, and no, I don't have less technical skills than you guys. So there's a challenge also. Some BS are existing in some environment, especially the IT environment, unfortunately. That's one challenge. Another challenge is... Yeah, but if you don't have the hands on the keyboard, no, I don't have it, them anymore because now I'm the management position. But I've been through that. I remember when I was a developer that I produced really poor secure code by the time being. But I didn't know because nobody told me it was poor secure code. I had no mean to check for my code I was producing. I had no idea it was poor because I had no indicators. There was no pen testing, no awareness. We when uh, I was a software developer at the time, we were not speaking about security. Our security was reserved only to the firewalls and to the outbound of the, com the, 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 the company and not inbound or inside the company. So technical security, software security, software application security, security engineering, call it whatever you want. I developed at a time where nobody was talking about those. So yes, there's huge way to go there's plenty of opportunities to go and to make it security 2.0 as i said not by checklist and manual work but using the same tool sets as our it colleagues are using every day to make it develop faster to deliver features more quickly and to deliver them securely towards the business and towards the request of our customers this is challenging. This is what I'm doing. Of course, I don't build that alone. I can count on many colleagues. I'm leading a team, but have a wide network. And this is where the force to attract, or this is a way to adopt or to change that culture is to do a part of it with some networks. But I will leave Catherine talk about those networks if she wants to. And this is really amazing. Um, I have the chance, that opportunity within you to do that and, um, and also to attract talents to have me in that journey.
But it's challenging, yes, because usually technical security or security is seen as a showstopper. We say security says no, no, that's not true. Security should say yes, unless this. And the unless this, we should provide it automatically to avoid human errors, to avoid unsecure behavior, but unsecure development unsecure code to happen. And there we have a lot of tools, automation solutions available, either bought on the shelf, either adapted from the open source world, and it is always possible to make security faster. So at least this is my point of view. So thank you, thank you Robert. Yeah. Um... That is a Aaron, what the first another area like that I find found out is that is no issues or distributions not found. Um and I really like that. Um I agree with Sonia many points. Uh, in engineering when something works, it's like it's working, don't touch it, we're already happy that it's working. Um so cybersecurity is really an, an afterthought. And one thing that it's misunderstood in security is that we are there to uh provide business continuity. Business has to continue. And and so and we are seen as the one putting red flags everywhere, red tapes everywhere, when um it's not really the case. We just really want to things to work and be resilient and uh yeah and be responsive. Um like Sonia mentioned there are definitely um challenges in terms of uh not just not having enough women in the room. Uh, what I see now is there are more and more women being interested, but I think it's also in the either intention. Um, during my professional life, I always have been somehow a unicorn. As um, humans, we tend to look for patterns. We tend to look for people that we can identify. Uh, so I had to learn to build those bridges when I was the only woman in the room. It happened, it still happens. Um, and I definitely, I forget about my gender when I'm working, uh, but I see sometimes it, it, in, in some situations where there are conscious or unconscious bias. Um, and so they also mentioned that definitely uh, sometimes can be a challenge. Uh, sometimes I notice and I'm able to revert or to uh, provide um, some kind of uh, to understand, to acknowledge, and provide a good answer for it. And um, so I, I also had to learn to don't don't, don't make it be a challenge. Um, of course, I have to overcome this bias. Shows that I have to show that uh, I have to show the skills. I have to show that I'm capable. Um, and there's always this feeling of as a woman that I always have to be showing that uh, I'm able to to do and to, to, to solve problems. So not just we have the challenge of having a gap in cybersecurity of not having enough skills. That is about 3.5 million on-field jobs uh, globally. And this number is from 2021. This is growing at a base of 400K jobs per year. But um, even though we have about 326k computer science graduates US, India, in the EU, these numbers are from those areas, we still don't have enough to fill in. 
but it's also um, not just because of the, the, the bias, the lack of neurodiversity, um, but also because of this idea that we, you need either a lot of experience or you need a degree or when very often it's possible to transpose and to transfer some skills from one area to the others. Um, in terms of neurodiversity and women in, in, in tech in, in general, there are definitely things that are somehow given to us, like deterioration, problem solving, tenacity, multitasking, uh, people reading. There's a lot of those soft skills in, in communication that um, are somehow acknowledged to be something that is more feminine. This is definitely something uh, that is that can be used as a good tool. Um, but there are also definitely women that are more tech, which give an advantage for women to be able to build this bridge. We need uh, technical people that are able to sell to management ideas, to, to say, okay, we, we need this tool because um, this is what we have, this is what we, we, we need for, for our jobs, but at the same time, and managers they understand this this need. So for for we need this this bridge of taking people that can sell it can really understand the language of management, which is risk and and cash and money. So um, and for management to understand also the tech, which is business continuity. I mean, put in a nutshell, uh, what we do is we need to make sure that we can continue to to produce. Um, so there is definitely a quote that I that I that I liked. It was from a former CEO from from Airbus, Tom Anders, that he said, "We don't have this now neurodiversity or this diversity because we are nice. We really need it because because we need it because we are global because uh, the the problems that to solve there are very complex, and what is happening today in cybersecurity is that." Um, we have uh, to be successful every time as cyber defenders, as ethical hackers, as governance, as management, while the hacker only has to be successful once. And hackers, don't, they don't have, they don't need to have uh, fancy degrees, they don't need to know about laws and, and compliance and awareness. They just need to hack. And this is really a parallel business economy that is developing uh, in a very fast pace and we have to not just be successful every time but keep bridging those gaps in in terms of skills in terms of of, of bias I mean for I was having a very interesting talk um, yesterday uh, with a tech guy that uh, is making really nice nice numbers in in this industry and um, he is living in Asia and he actually gave me this parallel. We did a parallel. I was I lived in Brazil for for a while, and he said, "Well, there there's not even a question of gender because there is a need because of the market is highly um, competitive, uh, and there is not even this question of 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 um, equality. It's just there is a need. Women are there. I mean, the smartphones that we have today." I've built in those lines by women. Um, there's many, many women engineers, like 40% there are a woman engineer. I, I remember I, I studied a few years in Brazil as well. I remember a lot, many women going to science, uh, 
feels and it was something that it was uh, natural at that period of time. So um, it was for me a certain point a surprise when I faced, had faced myself with the pro culture. This was something definitely uh, somehow new and um, and I just had to yeah to understand to understand the bias to understand that this need of we have as human to put people we have this need of putting people in cases and i could understand that at the time it was simply difficult for people to put me in in, in a certain case okay great thanks probably and Catherine, we'll uh we'll continue sure, thank you so just picking up what penelope was talking about there and the fact that uh the person that you met recently didn't see the divide between men and women just the fact that there was a need I think that's really interesting and I think that's a trend that we've seen over the past few years you know there is a skills gap in cyber security um, and, and certainly we just need the right people in the right jobs don't we I think um, which brings me nicely on to to my area as I said I look after the, the human risk side of things so my question was what are the current challenges facing security training and awareness programs so I don't know what you guys think on this, but certainly for me, I've been looking in this area for about five years, very much complement what Sonia is doing in the technical space at TUI. Um, so starting right at the beginning, it's you know, more focus on uh, a compliance type strategy. And then once you've got the mandatory training in place, you quickly look how you make this area appealing to colleagues. Uh, TUI, Clearly, it's not a small company. We've got about 67,000 people in lots of different roles. We've got people in business roles. We've got customer facing. We've got technical roles. So we need to make sure that wherever our risks are coming from, that the training that we deliver resonates with those people and that it's relevant. So it's about working with the right stakeholders. So, for example, with Sonia and the technical teams to make sure that we've got the right training in place to be able to make that shift left um, in the DevOps space. It's about talking to business stakeholders to make sure that in addition to all the other trainings that colleagues are expected to do, cybersecurity is just a small proportion, just a small proportion of technical training, let alone all the other health and safety training and business training we're expecting our colleagues to do. So um, it's certainly got to be consumable it's got to be easy uh yes there's an element of mandating topics to to do but also i think the driver needs to be that people have an interest in cybersecurity. and i think you know yourself if you're interested in a topic you're might more likely to go and research things yourself and seek out other opportunities um so also i think we have to be able to balance the workload with what people do in in their day-to-day -day lives and in order to show that we're making progress, we need to have the right metrics in place, which is which is quite challenging sometimes. Um, what we have to support our program at TUI are two networks, uh, which Sonia alluded to earlier. So one, we have security champions, which are more in the technical space. So yes, we've got the formal trainings and we've got, um, you know, sort of different videos that people can look at and set trainings that people can go to and do exams or, or knowledge checks at the end. But I think the way that a lot of people like to learn is through discussion. And so we set up these opportunities for people to meet once a month in a meeting uh, forum, but also 
through a Teams channel so they can continue to talk and just to collaborate and, you know, share ideas. Don't be frightened to suggest new things. Um, So that's for the technical space. And then similarly in the business space, we don't sit, um, you know, in cyber and think that we've got all the answers. We don't. We need to have that regular dialogue, that regular feedback from the business. So what's working well? What are people concerned about? You know, are they um, receiving lots of phishing attacks, for instance, which we would probably pick up through other channels? But what is it that people are concerned about and how can we help them to work through that? The other thing we've done at TUI just to try and make this resonate with, with individuals is to make it relevant to people's personal lives. So if we can provide hints and tips of how people can protect themselves, their family and friends, um, then it becomes more of a natural behaviour. So then they're more likely to bring into the workspace. Um, So we're trying to do that. We've set ourselves five security golden rules, which are probably the most popular topics that people talk about in cyber. So things, for example, phishing, so think before you click, protecting passwords, being discreet uh, on the internet and using social media and always protecting confidential information and making sure that we don't leave our devices um, unlocked, for instance. So we talk about those topics all of the time. So one of the challenges for me is, okay, the risks pretty much stay the same, um, but how do we keep these topics fresh so that we're not constantly just, you know, reiterating the same message, which we are, but we just have to disguise it and make it new and um, insightful for people. So um, I certainly don't have all the answers, but these are the few things that we've put in place at TUI um, to work well. But interested to know what other people think too. Yeah, great. Sonia, anything to add to that? Yes, I think um, I agree with uh, what uh, Penelope has said uh, as being the only woman in the room and how to cover that bridge gap. It's really interesting. This is what I noted down. And about what Catherine is saying about um, the networking part and the people part is also so very important. And in it, we see a lot of differences also in behavior. So um, I let Catherine speak about the Security Champions Network, majoritarily, I think I have two women, about 160 people, just to tell you. So I think we still need to do a lot of progress over there. And guess what? The security engineers, I'm the only woman in the security engineering space. (laughs) So when I said there's a gap, there's a skill gap, being the only woman in the room, being a software developer, we have more women. Yes. And uh, I hope that as Victoria introduced herself, uh, saying that it was a passion. Um, no, I have to lie. Uh, security engineering, I could hire a woman to help me in the team. Um, and she did say the security because it was her passion. So we as a woman, we do more stuff by passion than doing it by uh, because we need to. Um, I think this is also an important uh, difference in the gender bias and also the behavior can change over the time. So we had awareness campaigns in the past, like phishing campaigns and so on. I attended an event today, they just mentioned they were doing 36 phishing email campaigns per year. So non-stopping harassing our just 
keeping, keeping, keeping on, we decided to slow down because it was not the most efficient way to do it. It was efficient during a certain time and it is efficient with a certain population, but not everyone. So maybe we should change and adapt ourselves towards the environment and the people we are having. And yes, it is really the people factor over there, which is important. And one person is not the other one. And of course, we have to adopt the same as one business is not the same as the other ones, the same as a software developer won't approach a solution as another one. So we have to take into consideration all the different um, differences we have in a company while working together. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> That's a challenge. Thanks, Annie. Any Victoria? Uh, taking into consideration my background in software engineering, I think um, there is a, like uh, what is interesting uh, for me is the narrative that we often have um, that security is uh, a blocker for for developers, right? That we are here to stop the deployment or make it miserable, make it miserable for them to. Uh, by adding tools, adding process, etc. At the same time, um, engineers ha are in this very weird relationship with product people because there is, uh, especially in the startups, you don't, as a, a software engineer, as a software developer, you don't get enough time to deliver great solutions. You deliver just solutions that work and you just uh, just uh, just uh, release a thing and move on to the next project. So there is a lot of tension and I can see that organizations that don't have mm, don't have well uh, defined engineering principles or some kind of values uh, are basically struggling with quality because I know that many of my peers, many of uh, software engineers that I, I know would love to deliver secure software, would love to deliver uh, quality software, but they don't have time, then they don't have the opportunity because there is so much time pressure to just deliver the new shiny feature. This is also like a bigger question for the industry because um, this doesn't come from nothing. Usually investors, like when we think about startups, like the in investors come and they want to see those, that, that, that the product is growing, right? So, so there is a lot of this tension that one as a developer must navigate and fairly say it, it's, it's just difficult. Um, what I experienced and I, what I saw is that uh, so now when when I uh, I will talk from the experience of uh, of being an application security engineer is that people want to learn about security uh, they they have this urge of uh, maybe not urge but they have this uh, uh, belief that they, they they want to learn about security because we all know that security is important and is getting more and more important because we move all of our lives to the internet, for example. At the same time, when you talk to developers, everyone will agree that security is difficult. And because it's difficult, because it requires some training, because it requires more time, a lot of lot of time the security work is put on the shelf, labeled nice to have. So I think that um, what I've what I've seen at least is that 
uh, that the security needs to be supported uh, by managers and by leadership, and there must be understanding that like that those those things that security improvements will take some time, but they are worth it, and we want to be the organization that delivers the the best and secure solutions for our customers. And we are because of that, we will take this extra time to deliver. Um, so this is what what I've seen so far. Sonia, you got your hand up? Yes, just small anecdotes. Um, I compare the fact that security is coming, telling the developers, oh, your project is not okay. Like you would tell some parents, your baby is ugly. So no parents will accept that. And it is the same for software developer development. Nobody likes to hear that the baby is ugly. So what we can do is to help to have the baby right from the beginning. And this is the same. If I do a similar comparison, I know it makes people laugh, but that's, <laughs> I think, an uh, interesting anecdote. And whenever I say that it's to people, I said, you're right. And it's, yes, they do it right away from the beginning, correctly, not after the production. Thanks, Annie. Um, yeah, um, that is, I definitely uh, agree with Victoria and, and Sonia. I mean, in engineering, when we had something working, we're just happy that it's something working. Uh, and uh, cybersecurity was really something afar concerned until you, you get hacked. Um, and very often is by, yeah, lack of awareness. Um, the idea even of, of building uh, security by design is something fairly new. Um, and, um, this, yeah, and there's definitely, um, I'm say a, a concern. You, you want things to, to, to work fine if they're working pretty sometimes, sometimes a code, uh, you don't even know how it's working. It's working. It's so you, you, you don't want to, to touch it. And, um, we are only. That is the saying in cybersecurity, we're only as strong as our weakest link. And very often, that link is, is the user. Um, if I have a user clicking something that is that is wrong, as a hacker, um, if I don't make sense, as as uh, Catherine said, to be this idea of being discreet online is definitely uh, essential. Because as a hacker, if I did make sense, I know the users in that company, I know what they do, I know what they like. I can just uh, try to find, figure out the email, send uh, uh, this email with something that would be definitely attractive with the first time, a second time. I will keep following the, 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 the people around the internet, see what you're doing. Um, I find some uh, common interests that I can use and or some tools that they are using inside of the company because, I mean, you often still look at in, they have internal um, experts at, of some tools, um, and they'll definitely use that. Uh, and instead of writing uh, tons of, of lines of code or trying something or, or scanning the ports to see what they have uh, for vulnerabilities, this definitely will be the, the easiest way in. Um, then I would say trying to find uh, something more, more, more complex, um, depending on, on the hacker, the hacker wants to do. And this is really an economy. There's people really working from nine to five in trying to find vulnerabilities 
uh, and trying to find a way of, of hacking people of, and creating profiles. What I see now, the, this trend is in, in recruiting is that the way, the, the fastest and easiest way of having data from people is to recruiting because you send a resume with your address, sometimes birth date, um, a lot of details. And um, this, I see some, 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 something that I really like to do with companies is really to do all posting to see if the company is real. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was receiving uh, messages in, in, in this sense, and there are, you know, things uh, that, 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 that scans and, and different attacks that is happening. I think for every company, it's very important thing to, to know is Intel is to know which, which type of scam is out there. Sometimes it's not just to do with code. Sometimes it's just to do with uh, uh, with people, with uh, uh, with some apps that we, we use every day. Another common trend is uh, having WhatsApp clone. It's something that's happening is, uh, in Brazil. Like very often that people had a WhatsApp clone and then the person asked you for money. Or, I have all your contacts. I know what's going on in your life. So I want money from you because I have a WhatsApp uh, a clone. Um, so really going step by step of creating this security culture. I think that it's very essential, not just for the end users, but also for the developers to get um, those steps because it's not easy to insert these extra steps every day working uh, like multi-factor authentication or um, having tons of passwords and then the password manager, all those steps that needs to be trained over and over again, not just with an user, but with the tech side. Uh, in the tech, we, ha we have a tendency of thinking that we are safe because we kind of know um, and we end up being the ones that also are more targeted by, by hackers because we have contact, we have accesses that can be very interesting for hackers to have so i think that that's a culture of of uh, security um that culture of neurodiversity um in understanding bias there's also a lot of bias of, of people um having the tendency to think that just a password is enough just a password is secure i have a strong password i'm secure um to really debunk those those myths not just the, the bias in terms of gender, but also the bias in terms of security. Um, I think that it's very important, like like Catherine said, like Sonia mentioned, like Victoria also mentioned, um, to get those uh, those bias point by point taken out to understand every side from different angles. That when you have your code working, you're already happy that it's working, um, especially in the complexity of the tools that we have nowadays and integration and the time and uh, the management who uh, uh, has targets in terms of, of bottom lines uh, to, to have everything uh, uh, working fine in, in harmony. And, and so, um, yeah, but this debunking of myths is definitely a point uh, to be, yeah, to be focused on. Sorry, you had to Yeah, so what I... Also, what comes to my mind is that um, the developers really, uh, I mean, sorry, once again. So uh, what I mean, develop, um, what I noticed is that developers are really uh, looking forward for, uh, not looking for guidance when it comes to security and can be really um, 
they, they can really be like a sponge, just uh, wanting to 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 get the knowledge from us and um and what you said at uh, uh, Sonia about the ugly ugly baby such a such a such a great approach I will use it now uh, but I will credit you every time but the thing is that I what I notice is that shifting security left uh, we talk about like we talk about it there podcasts about it books about it uh, and the tools that uh, that you focusing on um, uh, Sonia also the, the technical technic- technical uh, measures uh, these tools are to help developers to like for example sh- shifting security left is such a game changer because as a, as a as a developer I know how stressful those last spr- uh, th- this last sprint of a project was when when my manager would come and say hey let's let's have a security review because we release and it would be like the worst thing because after this meeting we would always have much more work it would be stressful there would be like uh things that we didn't plan for it and so so shifting security left when we talk with uh, uh about security in the design phase basically when we can make easy changes it's such a like such a release uh, from from this burden of oh we'll have so much stress in just before the just before the projects end. So I think like what what I think you and we and I and we can leverage as a security industry is to like show those tools as uh, shifting security left or or I don't know the scanners whatever whatever you name it like as a help for developers to make their lives easier. Like same with when we were introducing the scanners, the dust and sust tools, uh, like it was shown like, hey, we know that you're doing the code reviews and you're not, you, you, we know that that you are great professionals who want to deliver great solutions. And this is just another layer for you, uh, f- for help basically. So you, obviously when it comes to vulnerabilities you are just a human so you will miss some but but we are giving you this tool so you so you can you know use it and be like a little bit more confident that what you're delivering is good so these are just like three point three three cents that i came to my mind when when you were uh sharing yeah yeah if it's fair okay and um, yeah, so actually, Victoria, we'll, we'll stay with you for your, for your question. Uh, if you don't mind. So my question is, what advice would you give yourself at the beginning of your career? Um, I'm uh, I'm asking this because, well, I am at uh, the beginning of my career in cybersecurity. I'm very selfish here. I'm sorry, but um, what I uh, what I notice is uh, when I'm looking for uh, looking at the job descriptions. I see that, first of all, you can be anything in cyber. Like there are so many different opportunities and uh, different skills that you need uh, that it's a little bit overwhelming at times, I think. On the, um, another thing I noticed is that there is, at least in the job descriptions, there is a lot of um, pressure, um, pressure put on, on certifications, which is so foreign for me as a developer. Like, you would never see that you need to be AWS certified or, or something like that. So 
So this is something that I don't know how to approach. I I haven't uh, I, I don't have any certification yet, but it's and I'm like thinking, oh, what should I do? What should I invest my time in? But at the same time, they're pretty expensive for you know. So you know, it's like wow, this is this is a, a like a huge bet to make when you are at the beginning of your career. And yeah, like how do you? What would you what would you basically advise me or people who are uh, who are uh, who, who want to join um, cybersecurity? Um, yeah, so let's let's leave it like that. You take it to the floor, Catherine. You come to you first. Yeah, I think the good thing is it's not a right way or a wrong way. There's not a set answer at all. There's not a set path. I think you should follow what you're interested in. Um, you know, there's no harm in trying out different paths at all. Yes, I mean, lots of providers are offering sort of specialised courses these days, aren't they? And you're right, a lot of them are very expensive. But hopefully there's ways, maybe through an employer, who can sponsor that or, or help you. Uh, I think don't worry. Uh, it's fine not to know everything right now, but I would just encourage you to experiment and do what you like to do. Um and I think people in organisations, they're looking for results. So they'll know that you're a good person, that you've got expertise, you are learning. But so long as you're good at what you do and you can, you know, show them that, they're more likely to uh, invest in you and push you in, in the right direction. So key message is, is that don't worry, just follow your heart, I think, really. Yes, I would uh, agree. I agree with Catherine. Follow your heart. But don't expect to have 100% of the qualifications to apply for the job. And that's a BS that we women, we have the tendency to go for, unfortunately. Uh, it's not me telling. I just report what the statistics are telling. Usually, uh, women don't apply for technical jobs because they don't feel comfortable. On the other hand, keep the head cool. And of course, you won't never be 100% for the job you will apply for. Otherwise, what will you learn at the job? No interest. See it that way, rather. So the counsel I would say is pick the job you want to learn more or where you think you will have more fun. And fun part is really important. And where you could learn the more, the more, the most, sorry. Um, this is really interesting. And always, if you have a dream from the beginning, just sticking to it. Build your path. And of course, you will, you, we might fail in some jobs. We might be successful in others. We might be successful in some activities in the job and we might fail in some activities in the job. Just every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. Keep it positive and then go forward. Just do it. Don't think too much. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Perfect. I would say no stop being a beginner. Um, when you are a beginner, you as soon as said, having fun, learn, uh, like I've said, following your heart. Uh, I think that spirit of the beginner, because it's, it's very important, because uh, it's all about learning all the time. Um, there's also a lot of free resources out there uh, and projects that uh, people can join and to build a portfolio. Um, this was a tip given by by a friend when I started because it's it really it it, it pays seem very overwhelming. 
um, the value of, of information out there and the price of the certifications. Um, but there are resources there for free that can help build a portfolio of city projects that she can very well then, then, then sell, as, as Catherine said, to, to be able to, to sell, to tell people what she did. And this will definitely resonate uh, with, with people, uh, with managers or the tech people, um, sometimes even more than the certification. Many certifications, uh, there is one present, a very normal one, in event testing, uh, there are some 20 plus testers that they fail at it many times because uh, it's everything done manually. One, it's a bit far from the reality sometimes of, of the market. We can, a lot of things you can uh, um, use automations and, and, and tools and, and software and so on, the scripts that, that are ready. Um, so, yeah, a lot of free resources that, that can be used. And always being a beginner, because um, chances are that uh, you and anyone in this industry will be restarting from, from zero. When you change a company, when you change a project, uh, people are different. The same tools can be used in many different ways. And uh, so always be a beginner, I would say. It's just definitely something I would tell them 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Thank you. The only thing I would add on that, you know, I think, being honest, Obviously, I've worked this market for, for many years and many of our clients are actually looking for more female candidates. Um, and the fact you've got a background in software is another great big plus side. And if your background in software and you're passionate about cybersecurity, and you know that 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 to me is a, is a as a as a sort of candidate potentially for me to to sell out will be a very big plus. Uh, and a lot of clients I know would be very interested in your background. And I see you do a lot of outside of work stuff as well. You know, you do a lot of speaking online. You know, it shows your passion. It's not. It's not just about how I, I like cybersecurity. You're actually living cybersecurity in effect. You know, it's taking it. It's a passion project of yours. You know, um, so it, doing things like that help. Getting a big certification, AWS. It might be great for one company, another company might have as yours, so it makes them nothing makes them no difference. So there's no point. And, and as I said, I know what Catherine said about getting the support internally for those certifications, but that's that's usually we recommend. There's no point spending lots of money on these big certifications unless you're really gonna focus on one key area and stay in that area, you know. Um that's great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for all for advice. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a question I'd like to pose to the panel um, before, before we close up. Um, I suppose, what, what could we do to support women who had to take career breaks and, uh, you know, when it comes to re-entering the workforce? I know a lot of women do take time out, whether it's maternity, et cetera, but with the the, the discipline evolving so quickly within cybersecurity, um, you know, what support can we give to, to, to women who are trying to get back into the workforce? Maybe took took some time out. But other people come to you. Um, I would say transfer those skills. Uh, before becoming a mom, I, I, I used to observe my colleagues that just went back to work uh, after maternity leave, and I was very impressed with the uh, new skills in terms of uh, time management, of really uh, getting up to getting very fast uh, to to the core of of problem and the problem solving and all these new skills that can be transferable and uh, in the manner of which type of break, it can be maternity leave or sometimes just uh, changing directions or uh, a sabbatical uh, year or a title for, for training, I think. Just very well skills, definitely. This is something that should uh, be looked at and, and 
and a knowledge for, for their value. Lovely. Catherine, would you? So, yeah, I can speak from experience as well. Uh, coming back from maternity leave, I think certainly provide the opportunities, you know, role before maternity leave might not be um, as relevant coming back. So to take a look at that, I think flexible working it is a must um, because, yes, you can anticipate how your world, new world is going to look, but in reality, that might be different. Um, I think certainly for me, uh, I still have a, a huge appetite for learning, um, but it's trying to juggle everything. So it's, uh, you know, I'm with an employer who does provide lots of different opportunities to learn in different ways and um, work different hours and things. And I know that's not across the board, um, but it really does help. Uh, and absolutely organisations benefit twofold if they do that. Thank you, Catherine. Sonia? I think the women have the tendency, so I don't have the maternity leave in mind because I, I never had a child, but... I think we tend as a break from work and returning to the work, we see that as not working. That's totally false. In fact, we are working. We are still working. We are not remunerated. So we are not, it's not a paid salary work, but we still do work. Getting a house organized or either we leave because we want to take care of a, a sick parent or we want to take a uh, some leave because we want to do the wonderful travel you never did and you want to do a world tour. Anything has a dimension that can be transposed to work. So if it's a world tour, imagine all the planning, all the visiting, all the culture, all the different steps to be organized. Uh, if it's a parent uh, taking care of that is sick, also planning, rotation, if you're not alone or the only child, but having, making sure all the appointments are taken with the doctors and with all the different needed uh, support, take care, uh, life support. If it's uh, for another reason, maternity leave, I would say, yes, get the house organized, get it done. Have your child really uh, having fixed hours to, to uh, at least trying to, still eating, you are still having a couple, you're still having a family to raise or to, to be living with, um, the, the partner with whom you are, uh, because the baby didn't arrive alone normally. And if you unfortunately are alone on that moment, it's still work to get that organized and to get your life reorganized. And usually we have a tendency to forget about those pieces of work. So time management, organizing, planning, project management. That's project management, in fact. And in between, you can learn and have a skill set. Just something else than changing the panties. It's just something else than doing just uh, the taking care of the baby. But you have to make sure that little newborn baby is only relying on you. So you have to have really a good planning to make sure it is still alive. Uh, the month after and month after and when you return to work. So this needs planning, organization, and these are all the skill sets that you can put in your resume. Review well your resume, don't have an old one, just really put all your additional skill sets you acquired during that leave period, I would say. And uh, thinking having that view, you will realize you have a lot of them. Thanks, Barbie, I just wanted to say a big amen on what Sonia 
Schön, Katrin. Zeit. <lacht> Big Amen. Victoria, <lacht> Antwort? So, I've been, uh, actually, it's funny, uh, because, uh, this question, because I've uh, been taking a break uh, from work and I focus to focus on um, public speaking and some other passion projects that I have. And I think as much as uh, the tech world is uh, changing fast, it doesn't mean that in a year, Uh, or in a couple of months, in a year or two years, I, whatever the, 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 the how, however the, the break is uh, long, um, it doesn't mean that all of your skills disappear. And as so, so um, yeah, so, uh, so, so that, that's, uh, I, I can see that I've actually grown a lot uh, during this, uh, this couple of months. And I think, you know, if, um, Back to your question, if we want to have like a, a better industry for women, uh, like men need to participate in the in the change because men, men are majority. Um, and what I would say is that uh, um, uh, it's uh, it, it would be a longer conversation, but I think that uh, uh, men not only have to be great for women so that women can safely grow in the industry and in the environment but also men have to be great for other men which also is a problem and i saw like over the years a lot of bullying happening between men and then how how can we expect that this uh, men who, are, who 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 harass each other basically but in a joking way they will be great for great companions or great uh, great uh, managers for women or for people from other minorities so uh, i think being human and being kind is always a winning strategy thank you very much okay great stuff has anyone got any further points to like to add before we conclude thank you great stuff okay so we'll leave it there this has been the evolution exchange podcast I'll take this opportunity to thank Penelope, Sonia, Catherine and Victoria for providing their insights into the topic and thank you for listening. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, feel free to drop me a message. And finally, if you are hiring for any technical roles or looking for a new role, please feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. I'm Rob Wall. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at robert.wall.evolutionjobs.co.uk. Thanks again to all our guests and thank you for listening and I hope you join us next time.